Welcome to practical number 96, and today we're talking about the effects of sweep angle on airfoil aerodynamics. So in particular, we're talking about forward sweep. And this is a little bit less common uh, than backward sweep, but it is quite common in certain areas. So to look at this, we're going to look at a paper called Study on the Influence of Sweep swept angle on the aerodynamic characteristics of the cross-section airfoil of a variable swept wing aircraft. This is open access, so you can find it in the link in the description. So the sweep angle is used often for a bunch of different reasons. You can use it for changing the critical Mach number in terms of going faster or slower. You can use it in terms of changing the stability of an aircraft and the lift production and drag production. So we're going to be looking at the lift production, drag production, and the pitching moment. And these are three very important parameters for any aircraft and any airfoil. So they say the variable swept wing layout aircraft is a typical variant of aircraft, depending on which field you are in, of course. And this can change the wing grazing angle according to its needs, but the grazing angle will bring serious changes in aerodynamic characteristics, which have an impact on flight performance and safety. So in other words, you can change whether the wing is pulled forward a bit more or backwards a little bit more. And this does change the um, stability parameters such as longitudinal, lateral, and yawing stability of an aircraft. So it is necessary for the aircraft to achieve the evolution of the configuration with changes in flight conditions. So in other words, depending on the flight conditions, you want to have different configurations to optimize your performance. With the change of the grazing angle of the wing, so the, the sweep angle, the relative thickness of the cross-section of the airfoil will change with the parameters of the airfoil, which will have an inf a great influence on the aerodynamic performance of the overall wing. So what happens is, this is a little bit of a difficult conversation uh, concept to just describe with words. It's often very good with a picture, but I'll do my best in this podcast and we'll see some pictures later on. If you want to see the video, you can see it in the on our YouTube channel. Otherwise, I'll describe it here. So imagine you have a regular straight wing and you have a regular airfoil profile, let's say a NACA 0020. So a very simple, common, thick airfoil shape. Very simple. But then let's say you now, and then let's say that the wing cord is one meter. If you then pull the wing back at a 45 degree angle, that wing cord will now be, I think, 1.414 meters from basic tri trigonometric um, principles. So the cord is longer because the cord is measured from the leading edge to the trailing edge in a straight line of the free stream direction. But the thickness of the cord hasn't changed. The, sorry, the thickness of the airfoil has not changed. So the thickness to cord ratio is now um, going to be smaller in this particular case. Because the cord is longer, the thickness is the same, the thickness to cord ratio drops. So let's say if you had a thickness of, is it like a 0020, so the thickness should be 0.2 meters if the cord is one meter. So that's 20% if you have a straight wing. If you pull it back to 45 degrees, the cord is now 1.4 meters. So the thickness to cord ratio is 0.2 divided by 1.4, which is what's that? Uh, 0.07. Wait a second, no, let me calculate that quickly. It's just, so sorry, that's 0.14, not 0.0, so 0.14. So it's gotten smaller from 0.2 to 0.14. Now, depending on how you sweep the wing, if you sweep it forward, if you sweep it backwards, where you sweep it along, which, which pivot point, it changes the thickness and we'll get into some differences later on. So that's how the sweep angle can change the thickness of the airfoil and effectively the cross-sectional area, uh, sorry, the, the thickness to cord ratio. And that means that the, aerodynamic performance of the wing changes. So it's necessary to look into how this affects aircraft performance. So in this paper, they say in order to make the wing of the variable swept wing aircraft change smoothly in the state of 
a flat wing, forward swept wing, or delta wing. This paper selects a NACA 006 thin symmetrical airfoil as the basic airfoil of the variable forward swept aircraft. So a note on the NACA 006. This is a very thin wing. It's only 6% thickness cord ratio. It has no camber. So it's um, getting close to the point where you wouldn't really want to use an airfoil this thin or thinner because it is a little bit too thin. And the problem with thin airfoils is they often have a fairly dramatic stall um, profile. And also they usually don't produce as much lift as thicker airfoils. However, at high, at the high speeds, they do become better in terms of um, their lower drag. So there's a trade-off here. In this particular case, we're not looking at very high Mach numbers. So an ACA 006 is quite thin, but they have a picture here showing the the wing itself. So they say the wing is composed of an outer wing and an inner wing hidden in the rear of the fuselage in a flat wing state. The geometry and contour are shown in figure one. So what does this mean? So if you think about the, let's say you have a regular aircraft, a regular airplane, and you have its wing. Now to sweep this wing forward or backwards, if let's say you pivot it around the leading edge, if you pivot it forwards, now there's going to be a gap between the trailing edge root and the fuselage because now you've pulled that part a lot forward. You need extra material to make up that little bit here, that that this, that gap here. Likewise, let's say you pivot the wing around the trailing edge where it meets the fuselage. Let's say you pull back now. So there's going to be a gap between the leaning edge root and the fuselage. Alternatively, if you were to pivot around the, the trailing edge where it meets the fuselage, so you, you now push the wing forward, there's going to be, the wing's going to start driving into the fuselage, that, that um, wing root at the leading edge there. So you need to have a slit inside the fuselage where extra wing can be accommodated. So when you pull it out, it can either um, take up that slack that you've created, or it can go into the fuselage as you pull it, as you pull it um, in that direction. So that's what they're talking about here. Now in figure two, in order to fully consider the convenience and sensitiveness of airfoil interceptions, the airfoil section of group A, so we'll talk about these two different groups first. Group A represents the rotation of this wing around the leading edge at the wing root. The group B airfoil um, series represents the rotation of the wing around the trailing edge at the wing root. So I mentioned earlier how you can rotate it about different points. So what happens is if you rotate it around the leading edge, this changes the relative thickness to cord ratio of the wing differently to if you were to pivot it around the trailing edge. And if you have a, if you look at the figure here in figure one, it's a little bit easier to understand why that is. And the reason why is because the trailing edge is at an angle. It's, um, it's tapered the wing, but it's not tapered from the leading edge, it's tapered from the trailing edge. So that means that as you rotate the wing backwards, that trailing edge is going to become more and more horizontal. So as that happens, um, the, wing changes the thickness cord ratio. And then once you move past a certain point, it will then start to become um, more angled again, just due to basic trigonometry. So what happens is with group A airfoils, which are pivoted about the leading edge um, pivot point near the wing root, as you increase the sweep angle, sweep forward angle, effectively the thickness cord ratio, um, but the, the, the cord reduces dramatically in, in length. Alternatively, if you pivot around the trailing edge point, the wing root at the trailing edge, the cord becomes really long. So almost double once you get to a sweep angle of 60 degrees forward. So what this does is 
it changes the thickness and thickness to quality ratios, which we'll go through now. So the relative thickness of the airfoil of group A and group A, a uh, group A and group B, sorry, as a function of the forward sweep as shown in table one. The what this shows is that the relative thickness of the airfoil group A first increases and then decreases after a certain angle after a certain sweep angle. And that's what I was mentioning earlier, where because the trailing edge is uh, angled as well, once you get to a certain point, it goes from being angled to horizontal back to angled. And this changes the thickness to quality ratio. So it starts off with a zero degree. Uh, sweep angle with a 6% thickness to chord ratio because it's NACA 006. As you go up to 40 degrees, this thickness to chord ratio increases to 9.26. But once you go past that point to 60 degrees, the thickness to chord ratio drops back to 8.29, which is still greater than the 6% at zero degree sweep angle, but it's still not as great as the maximum of 9.26. Now, looking at group B, which is the airfoil when you pivot it around the trailing edge at the wing route. As you increase the sweep angle, the thickness to ratio just keeps dropping. So it starts off at six degrees, and then by 60 degree sweep angle, it's down to 0.88%, which is really thin. It's almost like a flat plate. And generally speaking, flat plates are not good for flying because they are only good for a very narrow range of angles of attack. So to look at these sweep angles, they did some CFD, they did uh, RANS, and the terms model that they used was the SA, so Spallet Almaros. And this is an important point to note because the Spallet Almaros terminus model, there are a bunch of terminus models for RANS and URAN simulations. Spallet Almaros is one of them. And this is one of the earliest terminus models going around. And it's a very interesting one because it's ideally suited to this type of application, uh, wings. But one, and they, if you use it for wings, then it is quite accurate. If you use it though for other situations, for example, a bluff body or one that has quite a lot of turbulent flow or even a little bit of turbulent flow, it starts to break down very quickly and not become very accurate. So the SA turbulence model is only good and it's very good for this particular application. Other applications, you should probably stay away from it and use other ones such as my favorite SSD, um, KMEGA. That's because that's just a very robust one that works in almost every situation. You don't need to do too much thinking about whether it's good or not. You can just use it but the SA model is good for this particular application. Another point to note is that they have an ideal temperature of 288.15 Kelvin. Um, now to note this, if you were to use uh, experiments to validate this CFD, you would need to measure the, the temperature, uh, barometric pressure and humidity in your wind tunnel to make sure you get the right density. And of air, because air does change in density by about two to 4% every day. And that will make your CFD validation data incorrect. So you need to measure the air density. And to do that, we make an instrument called the Atmosphere Hawk. You can find it in the link in the description. It does it for you very accurately. So you get rid of that error in your wind tunnel experiments. And so your regular data for your experiments is good. And your validation data for your CFD that you use are also good. So you pick one up in the link in the description. So let's get back to this, these results now from their CFD in figure, in, uh, figure three. They have the variation of the lift coefficient of each airfoil group with the angle attack under a Mach number of 0.2. Now, while I mention Mach number, we'll cover this a little bit later, how this affects the performance, but let's just continue now thinking about the lift coefficient. They say for the, the A-set airfoils, which are the group of airfoils that pivot around the leaning edge, and remember, it starts once you start increasing the sweep angle forward, the thickness starts to increase up to a certain point, and then it drops off 
the thickness to chord ratio, sorry, I should say, not thickness, because the thickness does stay constant. It's just that the chord changes. So the thickness to chord ratio increases up to 40 degrees. And then once you go past 40 degrees, the thickness to chord ratio drops. So they say, in this state, when the angle attack is less than eight degrees, the lift coefficient increases linearly with angle attack, which makes sense, up to the maximum lift coefficient. That's what we want. That's normal. As the full sweep angle increases, the maximum lift coefficient first increases, then it decreases. And the maximum lift coefficient is reached when the sweep angle is 20 degrees forward. Moreover, the increase of the full sweep angle also causes the stall angle to increase first and then decrease. So in other words, the stall angle is proportional to the thickness to chord ratio of the wing. And this makes sense because um, we can look at some limiting cases. For example, a, a flat plate, <laughs> the stall angle is very low. It's like two degrees or so. And it sucks for producing lift past that. It's But if you go to a very thick airfoil, for example, a NACA 0020 or NACA 0030 perhaps, the stall angle dramatically increases. So this is what we're seeing here. So that makes sense. So... They also say that the stall angle attack is largest when you have a sweep angle of 30 degrees. So the maximum lift coefficient is largest when you have a sweep angle of 20 degrees, but the maximum sweep, the maximum stall angle, or sorry, the stall angle is greatest when you have a sweep angle of 30 degrees. So there's a trade-off there whether you want to get more um, angle attack range or whether you want to get a higher lift coefficient. You can choose two different sweep angles. For the when the angle attack is increased, they say the negative pressure zone of the leading edge of the airflow increases, the suction increases, and at the same time, the airflow separation begins to occur at the trailing edge of the upper surface of the airfoil. So this is important, how this separation is occurring. Now, I should mention here some different separation patterns. So for typical airfoils like the NACA series here, the typical way a that they separate is from the trailing edge, and then as you increase the angle attack, this separation slowly migrates towards the leading edge until the entire airfoil is separated, has separated. Now, other airfoils, for example, a very thin airfoil, typically will just separate all at once and sometimes even separate from the leading edge and then go backwards to the trailing edge. It really depends on the airfoil. In this particular case, though, they, they're following a very standard way of stall, which is from the trailing edge and you slowly migrate upstream until the entire airfoil has separated with increasing angle attack. So for the B-set airfoils, which are airfoils that um, are pivoting around the trailing edge route, when the sweep angle is less than 20 degrees, the stall angle attack and the maximum lift coefficient decrease with increasing um, full sweep angle, while the maximum lift coefficient increases with an increasing sweep angle. When the thickness of the section airfoil is small, the lift coefficient will increase with the increase of the full sweep angle. For example, the airfoil thickness of the B group is less than 6%. So this makes sense. Another thing to note is um, there are really like two halves to this airfoil set. Like when you have a sweep angle of 20 degrees or less, the stall angle attack is significantly higher than when you have a sweep angle greater than 20 degrees. So when you have 30 degrees, 40 degrees, 50 degrees, 60 degree sweep angles, the stall angle attack is pretty much always like 6 it's about 7%, 7 degrees, sorry. But if you have a lower stall angle, a, a more shallow stall angle, then you can get stall angles up to 10 degrees and they're a bit more stable. So that's interesting, that dichotomy there. Let's move on to figure four now, which looks at the influence of the Mach number on the characteristics when the sweep angle changes. 
So in figure four, they have all airfoils at only four degree angle attacks and they're changing the Mach number to see how this affects the lift coefficients. So I just want to cover here briefly what I was mentioning earlier about Mach numbers. So the Mach number um, is a very important parameter because it changes the um, density of air to begin with, but it also can potentially um, allow the onset of what's called the critical Mach number. So it's not sonic flow. The critical Mach number is the number at which um, you need to be traveling at for your object to experience sonic flow at some point over it. So for an airfoil, because when the, the flow comes first, it hits the leading edge, then it travels over each side and it accelerates, particularly over the top, the suction side. When it accelerates, the speed obviously increases. So you're getting closer to the back, the um, sound barrier than the leading edges. So that means that you can actually have sonic flow on your airfoil, even though the friction velocity is not uh, a Mach number of one. It can be low, lower than that. So that's what's called the, Mac, the critical Mach number. And what this means is that a thicker airfoil would have a lower critical Mach number, which means that let's say you have a friction velocity of 0.9 Mach number. You can have a critical Mach number of um, that, which means that you're getting sonic flow at that point compared to a very thin airfoil, which may still be completely subsonic. So the greater the thickness of the airfoil, the lower the critical Mach number is. So this is why this is important for this particular application. Because as you change the sweep angle, the chord changes length, thickness to chord ratio changes, and that changes the critical Mach number. So I just wanted to talk about that here. They don't go too much into that here. They have much lower Mach numbers here, but I wanted to talk about that because it does feed into this idea. So they say that in figure four, it can be seen from the figure that the lift coefficient of each airfoil group increases with increasing Mach number. And the rate of increase of the lift coefficient increases with the increase of the Mach number at the same Mach number, the as the force with angle increases, the question gradually decreases. So in other words, for the A-set airfoils, as you increase the Mach number and you have the angle attack still four degrees, the, um, the lift coefficient drops with increasing sweep angle. Now with the B-set airfoils, which mean that they are getting thinner with increasing sweep angle, as you increase the Mach number, um, they start to converge a little bit. So they will start to produce a similar amount of lift. Why that is, I'm not too sure. It may be something they say here that when the Mach number is increases 0.6, the leading edge of the airfoil gradually generates a shock wave. Now, that's quite interesting because that seems to be quite a low Mach number for that to start happening. But I didn't see their CFD that may be occurring. The appearance of the shock wave makes the absolute value of the leading edge pressure of the airfoil larger and the airfoil of the negative pressure zone is further increased. So the airfoil lift coefficient has increased dramatically with increasing Mach number. Now with this convergence, that may be due to the limiting case of the sound barrier. I'm not too sure there. So let's move on to figure five, which now we're looking at the influence of angle attack on resistance of drag when the sweep angle changes. So figure five, it shows under a Mach number of 0.2, the variation of the airfoil drag coefficient with the angle attack at different forward sweep angles. For the A airfoils, which are um, pivoting about the leading edge route, which means that as you increase the sweep angle, um, it gets a thicker, a greater thickness to chord ratio and then drops a little bit after that. With these airfoils, with increasing sweep angle, the drag coefficient generally increases because the pressure drag increases. So let's just talk about this briefly here. So for this type of airfoil, which is really just a two-dimensional airfoil, there are only two types of drag in this Mach number. 
So there's um, skin friction drag and pressure drag. Skin friction drag comes from just the flow going over the surface and creating friction that way through viscosity. Um, pressure drag occurs due to a deficit in um, pressure downstream of the airfoil compared to upstream. So if you integrate the pressure upstream into force and you compare that to the pressure downstream integrated into force, you see that there is a force difference, which results in a drag. And as you increase the angle attack, um, the pressure drag typically increases. And now we have here that when the sweep angle increases, generally speaking, the pressure drag increases as well. And that's because the thickness called ratio increases. And this is a great way to increase the pressure drag, which you don't want. <laughs> For the B airfoils, which when you increase the sweep angle, the thickness called ratio drops. Because it gets to a point where the more highly swept airfoils still at a much lower angle attack, the drag of these highly swept airfoils is much greater, even at only four degrees. So in other words, because these airfoils are getting thinner and thinner, the uh, stall angle attack drops dramatically. And so that means that you're getting a lot more pressure drag at these lines of attack, which means that as you increase the sweep angle, you're getting a lot more pressure drag and drag overall simply because of this phenomenon. So that's not very good. You want to keep the sweep angle low in this particular case. So, Finally, we're going to talk about the pitching moment. And this is very important because the pitching moment um, affects dramatically the stability of the aircraft. So the pitching moment is the tendency for an object to either pitch forward or backwards. And for an aircraft, you want to have a negative pitching moment because you want the airfoil to be inherently stable, which means that um, let's say you're flying around and you're at an angle of attack of five degrees. If you have a positive pitching moment, it means that the airplane wants to naturally pitch up more, so nose up. If that happens, you start increasing the angle of attack, which means you increase lift even more, and that will generally increase the pitching moment even more. And then you get this cycle happening to the point where you get to an angle of attack, which is so high that you start stalling. You lose lift, and that's bad. You will then fall out of the sky. Um, alternatively, if you have the point where... Um, the aircraft where it has a negative pitching moment, then if you're at an angle of attack of let's say five degrees, you're flying around, the aircraft naturally wants to pitch down, so nose down. That means that the uh, lift that you will produce naturally will drop, and that's stable because now you're going to an angle of attack of zero degrees, and you can fly around. You may not be able to fly, but you can glide, and that's far more stable than losing lift altogether when for pitching too high. So that's why we want a negative pitching pitching. Um, moment coefficient. So for these airfoils, they say in figure seven, they have the pitching moment plotted against the angle of attack. And they say generally, as the relative thickness of the airfoil increases, the pitching moment coefficient drops. So for the A series airfoils, increasing the sweep angle reduces the pitching moment coefficient. For the B series airfoils, increases the pitching moment increases the pitching moment coefficient. So for one set of airfoils, the A set, the increasing sweep angle is beneficial for the pitching moment. For the B set, it's detrimental. And that's due to the change in the thickness called ratio, generally. So in conclusion, they have four different points that they want to talk about. Point one, when the grazing angle of the wing changes, the relative thickness of the section airfoil and other parameters will also change. And the aerodynamic characteristics will change accordingly. When the angle attack changes, this is the second point, the lift coefficient decreases and the increase of the forward sweep angle for the cross-sectional airfoil with large relative thickness. So in other words, as the angle changes, lift coefficient decreases with increasing full sweep angle. 
and the cross-sectional area air falls with larger relative thickness this happens for. Point three, when the angle type changes and the drag coefficient of each airfoil increases with increasing force sweep angle. And point four, when the angle attack changes, the pushing moment coefficient decreases with increasing force sweep angle for cross-sectional area foils with larger relative thicknesses. So this is a very robust way of looking at it. Instead of thinking about the sweep angle, you look at the effect that the sweep angle has. So you can now relate this back to any sweep angle as long as you know what the effect of the relative thickness is, which is just a geometric parameter. So that's in this podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe. And if you want to get better at CFD yourself, so we're talking about the Spallatalamaris turbulence model, for example, earlier, and a bunch of other things. If you want to get better at CFD, check out our courses, which we go through this and much more. If you want to get better at theory, we also have courses for that as well. Links in the description. And if you want to make your CFD more accurate in terms of your validation data and your experimental data more accurate, check out the MSU Hawk because that actually measures the density of air for you. And remember that changes every day. Let's say you, you turn up at 9 a.m. and your wind tunnel density air might be um, 2% or 4% different than when it is, what it is at 4 p.m. later in the day. So you want to get rid of that error. So we make the atmosphere hawk for that. Check out that in the link in the description. And I'll see you in the next podcast. Peace out, amigos.